HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks. This week on Meat and 3, we're spotlighting the people who prepare our meat before it reaches our plates. We hear from whole animal butchers, the brains behind a meat vending machine, California cattle ranchers, and a master of charcuterie who isn't using meat at all. It's like a smoked and grilled uh, center stock of the broccoli, and then it gets uh, finished with some mustard barbecue sauce and sauerkraut. Ranching and farming being as difficult as it is, you know, it's just one thing after another. And at some point, you just give up. I had a wild idea that if I learned butchery, maybe I could start to be kind of a link in the supply chain. Listen to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. Every week, we'll delve into the delicious world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. Here's the show. So welcome to the show, Lola. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And how do I pronounce your name? Yom, right? Yom, yes. Yom. Very, see, very simple, very easy. Very think, simple name. Yeah, I think maybe because it's not common, people are, like, hesitate. But I'm like, yes. no, it's 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 what you see. It's rhymes with form and dorm, all the orm. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can think of. So um, this is great. Now, I'm excited to have you on. Um, one, one, because of what you make. Because I have all sorts of thoughts about soup in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then two, just because um, Toronto has a special place in my heart because I lived in Toronto for a year. Um, That's awesome. For, for immigration reasons, as these things go. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so great. So for those that are tuning in, let's start with a little bit about you. Tell us who Lola is, um, wh- where you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, where you grew up, sort of your major influences, where you've lived, travel, if you want to share that, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me, Yom. Um, I think what you're doing is great. You know, um, um, Africa, you know, I, I'll, I guess I'll 
go deeper into my passion and reason for launching it super, mm-hmm. but um, it's closely related to um, um, what you are doing in this space, trying to create more visibility and uh, more understanding of food as a culture um, for, you know, black and um, African food. So I think this, this is amazing. And, and thanks for having me. So uh, my name is Lola Adeyemi. I am Nigerian by birth. I moved to Canada as an international student um, about 15 years ago, uh, over 15 years ago now. Um, and I went to Winnipeg, University of Winnipeg, freezing cold, came from Lagos, <laughs> from Lagos to Winnipeg. It was not fun. It, it w- definitely wasn't the image I had from watching all mm-hmm. the TV shows and the movies about what living abroad would be. It was freezing cold. I didn't like it much, but I was excited. I was excited for the new adventure, for the new opportunities um and to just leave home you know um sometimes people ask me oh my god you know my my caucasian co-workers will say wow you left a whole you left your country yeah. to come here that is such a big thing and i'm thinking uh i was excited to leave yeah. <laughs> not like i don't love home but you know the image that we get as africans of the greener pastures of what it is to be in the diaspora is like you know that dream so it was an exciting time yes scary but more of excitement than, than fear, but obviously a huge adjustment moving here and being on your own and trying to hustle basically your, your way through. But I've been blessed. Um, after graduating, I've worked in the financial industry, started in investments and then moved into IT. Um, and I worked in IT for a lot of the big banks. And uh, before I officially quit my uh, nine to five to focus um, on my businesses. I, my most, my last job was with the city of Toronto um, working as an IT consultant. So I had a great nine to five career serving in the private and public sector. Um, And so that's kind of like my career up until um, um, when I, you know, moved into being an entrepreneur um, but yeah, it's, it's been an exciting time being here, uh, in Canada. And, um, one of the reasons why I, I stated on my, on my label that, um, food, music, um, food and music, um, um, is, is, is they're one of the key aspects of African culture that brings us together. Right. So, um, as we were saying before we started officially, uh, interviewing that, um, uh, Ghanians, you are you're, you're from Ghana and I'm from Nigeria, and we might bicker like uh, siblings, <laughs> but food, food and music, we yeah. collaborate so nicely yeah. uh, with that, just like sports and the likes. But I would yeah. say predominantly food and music, and so I felt that there was a huge gap in the food industry, um, especially for consumer packaged goods, which are basically foods you can buy that are ready made or ready to eat in the your local grocery stores. Um, for African foods or African inspired foods. Um, I felt like the African market was predominantly brick and mortar restaurants, um, but fully packaged goods that were easy for anyone to appreciate and purchase and buy and consume uh, was pretty non-existent. So I thought that there was a huge gap there. And what really ignited this for me was because, you know, 
in my life working in nine to five, you know, going to work downtown and sometimes you have company lunches or potlucks and people will say, okay, let's try a different, you know, food. Let's go to the Indian restaurant. Let's go to the Chinese restaurant. And then they will say, oh, can we go to an African or, uh, or a Nigerian <laughs> restaurant? And I'll be like, um, uh, the ones that they are, uh, they're like not downtown. They're in like, because a lot yeah. of the African restaurants are in the low income neighborhoods. Exactly. Yeah. Where there is a lot more population of African immigrants condensed in those areas. So that's where the African restaurants are. I couldn't take my coworkers there because <laughs> they're not like where I, they're not. And also the, the, the setup and everything wasn't the ambience wasn't the way the image right. that I wanted them to have of Africa. Right. So, I would say, and I couldn't also say, okay, go to the grocery store and just buy this sauce and put it together and you at least have a taste of what Africa is. So most times it would just be when I did, when there was a potluck and I made some nice plantains or I made jollof rice, I made mm-hmm. something or I made a sauce and my Tupperware was always empty. People were always fighting for my food <laughs> and they would always ask me, you know, excited about what I would make at the next potluck. Um, so and that really ignited it for me because I just felt like there's a huge gap in, in like, I really want Africa as, as a continent is practically missing in the grocery aisles, right? So you see the ethnic food aisles, you see right. Oriental, um, and now gradually we're beginning to see the Caribbean, but Africa as a continent is, is, is pretty much not, not existent in the retail space. So I thought, you know, it was definitely something that um, I wanted to start with. And the reason why I started with soups, as you know, Nom, is mm-hmm. soup for us is not for when it's cold. There's nothing like soup. Right. <laughs> soup is an everyday thing. We're from very yeah. hot countries, but we eat soup every day. So coming here and people like, oh, you know, soup is just like a, it's not a tea for us. It's a hearty meal right and a lot of times our soups are like gumbo like it's like a you put in vegetables meat fish like just put in so much stuff so it's very hearty and rich and it's not broth and vegetables like you have here right so um i wanted to change the image of what people think soup is or soup should be and as well bring introduce people to more flavors more spices you know, not the bland soups and, you know, the same soups again and again, uh, because even my competitors, they're all doing the same, the same soups in different packaging, really. So that is my, um, I would say, competitive advantage that my soups are unique one, um, but also um, taste amazing. So um, I think, and there's just that quality to it that um, as well, um, differentiates me from the other so so that's that's basically how it's super was Mm, was the idea was was born yeah yeah no it's uh, you've shared so much good stuff like that i i want to unpack that we don't have enough time for but one just (laughs) i think we both had the same and it's it's amazing to me the more people i talk to who have sort of landed in this food space with similar backgrounds in terms of having come from business or finance or mm-hmm. IT. I had a similar background. So I started the opposite. I started um, in in IT um, mm. and then accounting at Deloitte and then ended up in finance. Mm. Um, and then similar to you, just doing business dinners and, you know, trying to figure out where are we going to eat? And then mm-hmm. inevitably it comes to like, oh, we should try, Af- you know, African food, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, 
same experience one yeah it's either they're either not enough or two they're mm-hmm. in like a neighborhood that you you, you don't don't yeah. feel comfortable mm-hmm. taking um, taking them yeah mm-hmm. them too or just you or even for those that are close enough that oh maybe you can warrant a weekend trip to for your closer co-workers. It's just like you don't know that the serv- the level of service or the exactly. will even be appropriate, exactly. right? And so I think, but I think it's interesting that you chose to sort of move into the CPG space, which I hadn't thought about, but that's like mm-hmm. actually really smart, really clever. Yeah. Because when you yeah. think about um, what people, even now with actually, I, and I don't know, we can talk about that later, but with mm-hmm. more people at home and cooking and trying. Yes. Actually, yeah. this, just this morning, I was listening to a report on NBC where they were talking about how people, I forget the number, but it was ridiculous. Like people are cooking so yes. much more times at home yes. now and that they've cooked the same meal at mm-hmm. least like, some ha- super ridiculous number. So people are yes. looking for variety and they're looking for simple things to cook. And so this is the right time to also exactly. um, introduce uh, you. So whoever is listening that's, that's uh, ha- hasn't uh, tried this yet, this is something you can also add to your rotation yes. <laughs> as you're thinking of what, what's at home and good for you. Um, so that's great. So, I mean, you've actually mm-hmm. answered a lot of potential questions I was going to ask in terms of why soup. Mm-hmm. I love the name, like it's super. <laughs> With a play yeah. on the word soup, and then that it's I know. <laughs> Thank you. I, a lot of times, like the the first time I met uh, one of my mentors, uh, kind of telling him about the idea because sincerely, um, when the idea came, it was like, oh my god, I'm gonna. It came in the shower, <laughs> like a lot of ideas come. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a soup line. I'm going to call it it's super. It was like this kind of rainfall, yeah. literally, of ideas just coming, ding, ding, ding. And I had the concept for the logo, everything. But I didn't even know what I was going to do. I already had my logo before I even started the business. Wow. Like, because the idea came and yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to actually action it. Um, but with between trying to do the research, oh my God, because there's, I couldn't find anybody else who looked like me had the same experiences as I did that was in this business to reach out to um, that I could learn from, I got really overwhelmed because I couldn't figure out, okay, how do I start? This is food. Mm -hmm. There's so many steps. Oh my God. It's crazy. Especially, I don't know how it is in the States, but in Canada, health food safety is ridiculous. So, um, which is a good thing, but it creates a lot of like barriers for people who are just starting new, right? You can't just jump and just start. Like there's so many steps. And so I got really overwhelmed and I almost really quit because I thought, you know, this is just too much. I can't, I can't really, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And really I started feeling intimidated by the other products that were out there that were like vegan this gluten <laughs> this and you know all those fancy yeah. words and I just thought you know will people really like this product you know and you know that's the thing about being kind of like I won't say like I'm a total pioneer but I'm still one of the first you know and the only uh, soup brand that is African or black owned but as well one of the first you know food brands in the mainstream market um, that is African Uh, owned and inspired so to me I couldn't really benchmark against you know who else could I you know so it was it was difficult but one of the mentors I met who's a a, 
a British um, British man um, in and has like 20 years experience in the industry. He said, oh my God, I love this idea. I've been waiting for someone to bring up an idea like this. This is fantastic. But then he said, I read the particularly, he said, I love your brand. I love the name and I love the story. <laughs> Go and trademark this. And then I went to trademark it even before nice. I even yeah. had my business, everything. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it just takes one person believing in you. And from that point, that's when I said, okay, I'm going ahead. Uh, but yeah. prior to that, if I didn't meet him, I probably this business might not exist hmm. today because, you know, and that's the importance of, you know, mentors or just having yeah. somebody to, to, to believe in you or somebody you can relate to that has done something before. And so it, it can inspire you that it's possible. Um, question for just how did you meet this mentor? Like, was it through yeah. a program or someone in your yes. network already? Just for anyone who's listening it, that's thinking of starting something. Yes. Yeah, so it was through a program um, that doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Okay. I did some research um, um, because I thought I know all I know is IT. I don't know much about the food business, and I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to create a product and be stuck in the Afro Caribbean store. Right. So I wanted to do it at the quality quality level that you know others, you know Canadian brands were. So I did some research and I found this um, 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 NGO called Food Starter that is basically a food startup incubator for people who want to mm. launch food brands and get into the mainstream market. And uh, it wasn't free. I had to pay for it. It was like maybe $1,500. I remember a friend of mine saying, oh my God, that's a lot of money that you can use to put in your packaging. And I thought, you know what? I'd rather spend $1,500 to just get some training on probably information I can find myself online. But aside from that, the network and the people that I could potentially meet as, as things I cannot put a price on. And it was through that program I met this mentor. But I must say that during the program was where I met some of the people in my cohort were people who, you know, I was the only black person. I was the only black female. But there were also people who had all these like fancy brands, um, fancy ideas, I should say. Um, Like I said, like the vegans and gluten this and all that. And I was just so intimidated. Um, and I really felt like, oh my God, nobody would understand my product. Nobody will understand what I'm doing. And so by the end of the program, I was almost giving up. But that mentor was, there was a mentorship class or I would say mentorship session that came with the program for a one hour meeting with, um, you know, industry leaders. And that's when I met this mentor. So that $1,500 was <laughs> worth it in the end yeah. because I did learn a lot from the training, but the knowledge became overwhelming and as well intimidating for me. So I think the key factor is that $1,500 paid for the mentor that made this actually come to pass. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's great. And I think that's, um, that's of note for people who are either thinking of going into food, food businesses or even as people are doing like, GoFundMe's or trying to raise money to to get into this space like I hope you know your story also helps people to think about that the initial investment that has to go into creating something like this because I've talked about this in the restaurant space mostly but it may apply here where um, a lot of our own people actually don't want to mm-hmm. pay like they would pay the no, same price people for don't like, pay. As, you know a similar thing that's Italian or whatever but because yes. it's it's um, from their own uh, mm-hmm. tradition or origin place 
um, they're like, oh, I can make this at home myself or yes. half of the price yes. or whatever in terms of yes. restaurant food. But um, there's a lot that goes into it. And to bring it up to the quality of, like you said, mainstream um, audiences and not just for the community. So that's, exactly. that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, just quickly before we go to the break, I want you to share like the product line. Like what are the different soups that you have? The branding and you guys, when you, I'll, sh I'll share the link to um, the website. The branding mm -hmm. looks amazing i don't know if you thank did that you. before the incubator yeah. or not but it looks fantastic it's one of those things that will you. catch your eye yes um on the eye of the grocery <laughs> aisle for sure um, yeah thank you thank you so much for that um i would say that exactly my when i was thinking of the i'd done the logo and i had the vision of what the colors of the brand would be before i even we did the packaging and all that but um we the the branding itself was to be vibrant and colorful like basically what africa stands for for me you know the like the ankaras and the vibrancy of that and our music our culture the heat the spice you know those colors are what i really wanted to reflect um something exotic something tropical vibrant spicy you know i think i used those exact words to my designer when it was yeah. when i was and i sent him some of our tribal markings you know our statue our um, carvings and you know all those things oh, wow. that have like the face um, yeah. some of our designs actually have those tribal marks on the face um some of those um marks that you know in our past ancestors used to have and you also see on those um carvings um, so I sent him some of those to put in um, the design as well. So, so that's basically the concept that we had for the designs. And also because of that, that's why a lot of Ankara prints or our culture stands out mm. because we're different, right? So I yeah. wanted my packaging to stand out from the others. Um, and um, so we have currently, um, I would say we have, a, we have five, uh, five recipes Okay. Um, that we sell we're actually so uh, originally we have um four but then we're introducing two two new ones and removing one and i'll okay. kind of explain and removing that one mainstream so basically we have a meat lovers chili mm -hmm. which is basically like our beans that we eat in oh, africa okay. yeah. but then i made it a chili because we don't mix beans we only right. use one yeah. beans in traditionally but in the chili the difference with the chili is that they have like the kidney beans and then the regular right. beans. So I kind of, and then put the spices and all that in there. Um, so then we have um, a, a, a carrot and paprika. And then we have, which is a vegan. Then we have um, um, the fish pepper soup. Mm -hmm. And then we have a chicken peanut. The chicken peanut is inspired by you, my sister, Benians. Um, um, although in, in some parts of Nigeria, we also eat granite soup, which is basically the peanut soup. Um, but yeah, it's um, um, very popular in Ghana. So we have the, and it's actually our, uh, one of our bestsellers, the chicken peanut. Yeah, because um, you, yeah. you won an award for that chicken yes, peanut soup, right? Yes, yes, yes. We're nominated for a best new product of the year, which was fantastic, only months after launching. So that was really great. So you need to, you need to, to doff your cap to your Ghanaian I, I know, I know. And my, I, 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 and my, my Ghanaian sister-in-law, she's, uh, she was really excited for that and she wanted to take all the, all the props. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. Yeah. That's an yeah. amazing story. And then and, what's new you said 
So, um, so the new recipe we have a Moroccan chickpea and chicken. Ooh, so it's a Moroccan. Oh, oh it's gosh. really good. It's really, really good. And then we have our West African pepper sauce. You know that sauce that we put oh, on, yeah. everything? on everything. Our own. <laughs> yes, that is our put on everything sauce. So I thought, you know what, Africa, West African specifically, Ghanians and all that. You know how we have that our sauce we use for the fried yam, for the yeah. fish, for the plantain. That sauce that goes on rice, goes on everything. I'm like, okay, yes, I need to do that. So we have the sauce. So the two new products are the Moroccan chickpea and the, um, and the pepper sauce. Now the fish pepper soup, we're um, I'm stopping that from going like mainstream because um, you know how when you start a new brand and you have a, a couple of products and then some of them don't do as well as others. Yeah. So um, our main client base are Caucasian um not oh, okay i was gonna yeah, ask not, that yes yeah. so they are the main buyers of our product because you know like you said earlier sometimes africans feel like oh i can do peanut soup myself yeah. like i don't have to but we do get a lot of um, Af um blacks and africans who purchase but our main client base is caucasian and so because of that caucasians are very used to fish on the dry like yeah in on a grill or in something but not in a soup so our main clients that buy the fish pepper soup are asians and blacks oh, that makes and sense. but they are not our main demographic so mm. we had to think about it and we strategize even though it was close to my heart to have a pepper soup i know i was um, gonna say for me if it was available yes, in the u.s like that would exactly be, one, exactly one sure so be. it does well within but you know you have to think as a business right are you going to scale up with uh, 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 the the least performing recipe. So those are kind of choices you have to make and remove emotions from actual strategy and say, yeah. okay, strate strategically, which of these shouldn't we scale up on? And that was the the weakest link. So that yeah. that recipe for now, we still have some inventory, so we sold online for some time, but we'll definitely not. Um, I'm still in the future. We'll think about probably still introducing a pepper soup, but maybe chicken or meat or something else yeah. um, instead of fish because like I said fish is kind of like a thing where people are like oh fish and fish and water oh yeah <laughs> so people <laughs> can think, be meanwhile yeah. it tastes really good the thing is I was gonna it, say, it I takes a lot like of that... work yeah it's the work it takes for me to convince the buyers to yeah. taste it before they buy but once they taste it they're convinced and they like it but if you have to convince people for every sale then That's, it's gonna it's yeah. too much work so yeah it's a lot okay cool no this is this is exciting stuff this is all good stuff yeah. um let's i think this is a good time to take a break and then when we okay. come back i want to continue on this topic of building that food business in the context of you being an immigrant in canada and what that means mm, for you yes. in terms of funding um yes. educate uh, educating people on the food which you've mm -hmm. touched on a little bit and then maybe go back a little bit to you not having the food experience and some of the details around, you know, figuring out the right recipe for mass production, for example. Yeah. Um, I know in the U.S. we have labeling requirements um, mm -hmm. for calorie yeah. counts and whatnot. So we can talk about that. Um, oh, yeah. There's so much after we the can, break. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so we'll take a break here. When we come back, there's a lot more to talk about with, with Lola.
I'm Ethan Frisch, co-host of Why Food and co-founder of Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks. We set our partner farmers up to export their own crops for the first time, and they get access to a whole new market here in the U.S., and we get access to spices that other companies can't source. We're honored to work with restaurants including 11 Madison Park, Blue Hill, and Chez Panisse, as well as thousands of home cooks across the country. Visit us at burlapandbarrel.com. So we're back. I'm ready to talk more about building a food business. And I think this is actually, um, I want to talk about it from the context of you being immigrant and black in Canada. Um, And I think just even in this moment of everything that's going on, particularly in the U.S., but I think it's become a global movement. It has, Um, yeah. uh, Understanding what that means for you as you try to build your business. And if you can also share, I'll ask you specific questions, but if you can also share to like the impact of covid on your business as well if it if it's had an impact that would be great Mm -hmm. so um where should we start let's see so you touched on a little bit earlier on about not having the food experience so the food incubator experience was great in that it gave you a sense of like helped you through your learning curve right so you were able to figure out some of that stuff um but in terms of so like that's probably helpful but then Mm -hmm. as you move out of it because how long was the incubator um, it was a three months uh, oh, wow. program. Okay, so yeah. So, but it was three months, but you know, a lot of people had their full-time jobs. So it right. was twice a week in the evenings kind of thing. So I believe maybe like 15 classes in total. Or so. Oh, that's, that's a lot. So then yeah. maybe, maybe then, um, or maybe 10 like classes, I think. question is how long did mm. it take you from concept to first production, you know, first production mm. of, of the soup and then yeah. in between there is it, you know, we, you have the incubator, but what did you learn from the incubator versus like learning on yeah. your own? Okay. So great, great question. So, um, the idea came to me in, um, October, November, 2017. Um, then I applied for the incubator in December, just a few days before it closed. I found out wow. in December and I applied then I got into the program um, and then um, it started in January. I, and then um, the program ended in late March. And, um, and then from then on, after meeting the mentor who said, yeah, go ahead. Um, then I had like a kind of a plan of some of the things that I learned um, in the incubator about like branding, like strategy, the steps that you mm-hmm. need to take, like things like having a food handlers license, um, you know, the kind of places you can cook from, you know, a lot of African businesses, they cook from home. It's not legal to cook in your home and sell to the public. You can cook from home and serve people for free, but you can't cook from home and sell as a source of income. You have to cook from a commercial or a certified kitchen space. Um, so, you know, things like that are, you know, information that I got and learned. Um, and so I got my food handlers license the, the designer who worked on my branding, my brand is like my label design was also an instructor from that incubator program. And so, you know, you get like a discounted, um, he's an instructor in branding and design at a college, but he also was coaching in that program part-time. Um, I learned about food science, food safety, um, uh, instructor from George Brown came and she talked about the food science and food safety aspect. And I got my nutritional panel done by George Brown college. 
Um, and I learned about like um, the shelf life analysis. Um, like, you know, you can't just put your, the product in your fridge and assume how long it should last and just put that date on it. You have to go to a lab such as Gelda Scientific in Mississauga and they would um, put the product in the conditions that they expected you to expect it to be in and will give you the actual shelf life. Uh, because if you predict that it's going to last six months and it only lasts two, two months, yeah. then that's not good. Right. So, um, so um, you have to be able to back it up with a, with a lab. And then obviously the nutritional panels and all that also comes with the calorie counts, all those things and little things like even your ingredient lists, like, like their rules around mm -hmm. labeling and like your ingredient list should be in the order of, the quantity for example if you have a like mine is soup so but my soups are not just based on water so water is not usually sometimes the first ingredient on my list sometimes it's like tomatoes or tomato paste or something that or beans that are the higher uh, volume but you don't just list your ingredients you list them by the order of volume or quantity that um the grams per ingredient right so those little things that you know yeah. may not matter in the end are things <laughs> that are mandated by the government right. as the you know how you put your label together so um so the things that i learned from the program things i learned on my own and things that you learn from and and one of the things that i will say is even though as an immigrant you know we talked about being immigrants and you know uh being a first generation immigrant we don't have grandparents equity we don't have a grandparents, yeah. you know, RSP, we're just building our own equity and our own wealth here in, in, you know, in, you know, in North America. So it's really hard to, you know, I would say that I've been blessed to have a good career. So that has helped me, you know, learn about how to, you know, be successful, but being an entrepreneur and running a business and getting the financing to run a business is a whole different ball game. And so you find that, you know, being black, being female, being an immigrant, there's so many strikes on you to be able to get the funding that you need and also not actually having the network to be able to say, oh, by the way, I heard that there's this funding somewhere or, you know, um, I'm a member of a, of a, of a, I would say, continent that gets a lot of funding, but gets a lot of funding for not entrepreneurship, but for right. poverty or eradication <laughs> of poverty or an eradication of yeah. this or education on like yeah. certain levels, uh, but not for entrepreneurship because maybe, maybe that's not a priority. I don't know. But um, so, you know, my friend who is Jewish, she got funding from her Jewish community, you know, and there's like, you know, a lot of funding from other communities, but in, in my community, like I can't go to my community to say, Oh, I want to launch this, food products, what? Like there are hungry people out there. So priorities are different. Right. And so um, um, I don't have, you know, friends and family that I can, that I can go to, um, to get that funding. So I really have to rely on my self-funding. So I practically self-funded the business up until recently that I'm now scaling up um, because we're getting into Sobeys, um, um, in the fall so we've had to scale oh, nice. up and yeah thank you thank you so we're scaling up um 
Um, and I'm, I'm now leaving the um, commercial kitchen, hallelujah, because producing <laughs> myself, yeah. staring the pot of soup myself <laughs> has been a painful process. I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, sometimes I dread. It's, it can be exciting, but uh, it's a lot of work chopping and you know it's all manual i don't have like big equipment so all the veggies that you see in the suits are chopped manually everything is like you know you buy some equipment but a lot of things are still manual so it's a lot of work so i'm really excited to have somebody else do that so we're moving to a co-packing okay. facility okay. yeah co-packer is uh, for the audience that may not know it's basically a third party manufacturer that will help you produce your soup make sure you sign an NDA and non-disclosure with them. You sign a contract with them and then they produce on your behalf. And it does reduce your profit margins because they take out of your profit. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. Um, if you can't afford to build your own facility, um, it's a good way to just focus on the business side of things uh, because you don't want to be producing yourself. Right. Uh, you can't do that. You can't scale and be producing yourself. So so yeah, th that's basically um, how, you know, being an immigrant and the <laughs> yeah. food experience. Um, I think the last thing you asked about was COVID. Um, um, the way COVID has affected us has been, I guess, I guess I'll say twofold. Um, it came, luckily it came during, um, as you know, in North America, the off-peak season for soup so COVID kind of oh, came in the yeah. spring summer so it wasn't a heavy season for us and now that it's ending it's like okay perfect timing but as well it was also the transition time for us um, because we're actually changing our packaging we're kind of rebranding and relaunching in October uh, so we're moving from our current plastic tubs into pouches oh, um, nice. so yes yeah, so we're kind of so that the whole summer I spent mainly focused on on that work rebranding and basically we're still using the kind of like the same this it's still the same design concepts but we're changing it to pouches and it doing some improvements based on feedback we got from our customers on the labels and packaging so um so yeah so we're doing that um and of course launching the new recipes so uh it was a good in that sense because this was already a downtime for a mm -hmm. slow sales period. Um, those three months, core months of summer. Um, but as well, it was also a period when I was going to be re-strategizing anyway. Um, so it wasn't too bad. I would say that the downside was because we use a shared kitchen and then some of my, the, the part-time people who actually help me when I'm doing production, two of them are moms and they, there was no daycare. Oh, so they couldn't yeah. come produce. And it was just like, am I going to start retraining people yeah. to know my, know my, know my, how, how we do the production. So that was a little kind of, it kind of affected um, because even I'll get calls from stores to say, Oh, we want to stock up. And I'll be like, ah, we, we're out of this and I'm not sure when we'll be able to produce again. So, um, so that was the, downside of that but it wasn't too bad, too bad because 
it, it was already our slow season anyway yeah okay no that's, that's yeah that's that's good and it sounds like there's yeah. big big things to come for it super. yeah um so as you talked about sort of the feedback you were getting from i found that to be interesting so how mm-hmm. maybe a couple of questions one is you talked a little bit about your customer base earlier being mm-hmm. mostly caucasian but how mm-hmm. do you interact with them to get feed, feedback like how do you because yeah. i don't think this is something that people do really well and yeah. then just in terms of um, education, educating them on like, mm-hmm. the food, how, how does that work also? So um, being a new brand um, or even big brands do this as well. But if it's a new product, um, you want to do you have to do demos. So just like when you go to Costco oh, or any of the right. stores, you do the demos, you give people free samples um, and then they taste it. You talk about the brand and nobody else can sell your brand like you can, um, especially if it's something that you're passionate about. Um, and so I would do a lot of the demos. Um, you know, as you grow, obviously, you can't be in all the stores at the same time. So you hire people to do the demos. Um, but yeah, that's basically how we, we okay. would um um, and then we have a feedback form online where some customers will send information. And a lot of the feedback that we, we got was, oh, we need more vegan recipes. Like the carrot soup used to be vegetarian, mm. not vegan. And it was okay. just a simple fix to make it vegan because we used to put cream, um, mm, cream in it yeah. and we just changed it to coconut cream. And that was simple. And it actually tastes even 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 better yeah, right sure, so with the coconut yeah yeah so so that was an easy fix and then you know we made sure that the uh, pepper sauce was also vegan um so so things like that just to minor changes but listening to our customers what they're asking for and what the market is asking mm-hmm. for is is always good to pay attention um to not just do what you think is right for your customer do what your customer is asking for so when we do the demos they will ask for certain things or even some of the older um because a lot of the customers are also in um you know the baby boomer generation and sometimes the um they would say the font on the um, (laughs) interesting (laughs) yeah the font uh, size on the packaging um was a little small so can we increase it a Mm. little bit so so that's what some of the things we worked on to make the and the pouch now we've made the back fully white so that the black text is very clear to read because a lot of the information is on the back that's where the ingredient list is and that's where the nutritional panel is so we want it to be very clear so that it can read better so those little things here and there that can make a huge difference um as are the changes that we've we've made and that's it's true demos we listen to our customers and that's one of the things that covid has affected because being a new brand and i'm a little nervous about that sincerely because we're moving into the bigger retail and if we're not able to do sampling um you know um how would how would um um, customers know about this new product so we're going to spend the demo dollars you just really have to pivot as a business owner so the plan is to just spend the dollars you would use um, for doing demos to instead do more advertising or do sales or something like that or do coupons so that way um, people can get there's more visibility for the brand yeah, that's a good point, actually, with yeah. COVID and, like, having those sorts of demos. That's going to be challenging. Yeah. I guess my, I mean, you you have a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic story. Um, and Thank you. I'm glad that we were able to share that. 
uh, what I wanted to know, which you touched on a little bit, was like, what's next for it super? Like, what's your next big vision? You, you've talked about bigger retail, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, signals like, you know, there's a lot of interest. You're going to grow. But generally speaking, um, where do you see it super um, going? So um, as I joke around with uh, some of my <laughs> other um, uh, entrepreneur fr- friends, I, when I get to America, that's when I know I've made it. (laughs) So no, 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 no shade to Canada, but uh, the American market is where I, my dream, where I hope super will be in the next couple of years. Um, I'm being realistic. So I'm still just, you know, in Ontario. So the first step is to get, you know, fully expand, you know, scaled up in Ontario and then into like the neighboring, um, and go national, so Montreal and yeah. Western Canada, and then um, around the same time as well, hit um, hit the states because you guys are the ones who, who, <laughs> who have all the money. <laughs> <laughs> you should speak to. I don't know if you know. Um, uh, oh, I can't think of her name right now. Egunsi Foods, um, Yemi. Mm. Her name. I can. I can. Um, if you don't know her, or haven't met her. I can introduce no, you to her. So she. She does soups um, mostly mm. on the northeast, but she mm. she um, ships nationally as well. Um, oh, based that's in New awesome! York. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. A, I think she might be a good person to speak to because she does. Mm. She also does um, uh, African inspired soups. Mm. Um, so nice. The both of you may have things to talk about from that. Yeah, right? so, definitely. That that's um, that's nice. I I, I, I to connect the both. Of you. Yeah, for sure. Because um, thank you. Um, because um. You know, the thing with Canada is uh, population is what, you know, commands a lot of dollars, right? So Canada is a big country, huge, (laughs) huge landscape without that many people. So, um, and as well, we don't have a commanding currency. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then, you know, a lot of things are either you have to ship them from the U.S. or ship them. Like, it's just, and logistics isn't, is is a nightmare in Canada. It's just so many things that are limiting for an entrepreneur in Canada. And I, I, I've not been more passionate about, um, about like, I love Canada. You know, you've been here, you've lived here yourself as well. It's, it's an amazing country, safe, but the entrepreneur spirit in me and the African hustler (laughs) spirit in me is like, I keep telling my partner, I'm like, when are we moving to the States? I, I, he's like, you know, the killings and everything that's happening in the States. I'm like, how many Africans have you seen <laughs> that have issues? Like <laughs> Africans go and mind their business, you know? So I'm like, I'm just going to go to the States yeah. and mind my business. Yeah. But yeah I, I, I think I should definitely connect you to her. Um, I think she's <laughs> also had some growing pains and uh, has learned yeah. a lot through her process as well. So I think there yeah. might be some, some synergies as people say. For sure. Well, great. Okay, so before we transition to the rapid fire segment, can you let people know where can they find you online on social media? Bye. So, soups. <laughs> so, um, so uh, I would say that exciting times are coming. We're moving into pouches, so um, I think for us that's going to be amazing because then logistics will be easier. We can ship better. We are available online. 
um, um, through our e-commerce. Um, you can go to www.itsuper.com and that's I-T-S-S-O-U-P-E-R.com. And from there, you can go and link all our social media um, pages on Instagram. We're at It's Super um, and um, uh, Facebook and Twitter. So, um, so yeah, that's basically, I guess that's cool. it really. Yeah. So, and I will link that in the, in the show notes so that people can also click on it when they, when they listen to go directly to the site. Awesome. Um, okay. So time for rapid fire. Like I said, super easy questions. No, okay. like I'm not even, even going to ask you about Jollof. So we wouldn't even. Okay. <laughs> so we won't go there, right? Okay. Okay. So, um, let's go. Um, dine in or take out? Uh, take out. Uh, so this is good for you. All this COVID stuff, you can take, <laughs> take as much as possible. I'm a homebody. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I love my home. Um, um, yeah, I, yeah, I love being home. Hot or cold soup? Hot. Born in hot. I don't <laughs> like cold food. Um, swallow or rice? Ah, oh, I would say rice rice yeah rice any day I, I would say rice goes any day there's some days swallow i'm not in the mood but rice yeah, rice, rice any day. day okay yeah. which would you rather have more of money or free time hey you know what <laughs> money because with money i can buy myself some free time oh, when you don't have enough. money you're going to be hustling to get money yeah. so might as well have the money i'll, I'll go for money <laughs> And then, what's your biggest pet peeve when you're out dining? Pet peeve when I'm out dining? I would say bad service. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, yeah, just being, not being attended to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, being bad service and not being attended to, like, yeah. aka being ignored. And then you start to think, uh, okay, everybody's getting served, but not right. us. Uh, yeah. Start looking around and you don't want to have that feeling because, you know, for us, it's right. easy for us yeah. to go in that tangent of, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. what I mean. I know what you mean. Um, and the last <laughs> question, your favorite African restaurant anywhere in the world? Um, You know what? I went to Dubai, was it last year? Yeah, last year. And I really loved Kiza. It was really oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I, I knew, mm-hmm. I, when you said Dubai, I knew you were going to say Kiza. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I lived in Dubai for a little bit, too. And that was Girl, crazy. you've lived everywhere. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> a, whole, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I've lived everywhere. Yeah, that was our jam, though. Like, they had the, yeah, had yeah. the music, the food, like, the yes. of all that. And it was, like, we went there really late, and the food was still good. Yeah. And then there were people clubbing in the back. Like, it was, it was, yeah, it was a, a nice, a nice, and, and, it wasn't it was a kind of if there was a restaurant like that here i would comfortably take my co-workers right, to because exactly right it had that level yeah. of class that i felt yeah. like okay i wanted i would like to yeah. share right so yeah, yeah definitely oh, that's, that's great that cool. was good. All right. Well, that's it. This is this has been. That is it. Oh my god! Yeah, I enjoyed I know, this right? conversation. The time, just, the time just flew. Yeah. Um, it's been great getting to know you, getting to know your story. Like when I first read your story, I thought, oh, this is somebody I'd like to talk to, and getting Thank to you. speak to you. Um, it's mm-hmm. just been validating in terms of, you know, the success you've had with your brand, and I know that big things are coming for you. So. I um, wanted you. to share your story so more people know, you know, the great thing you're doing, and hopefully 
people patronize we have listeners in canada too. yes canada is one of our please support we support so this support. little brand if you're, if you're not based <laughs> if you're not based in canada but like you're in nigeria and i know you know people that live in canada yes <laughs> so let them know um i think it's great what you're doing and and the world deserves to hear about it so thank you thank you so much thank you for listening to item 13 an african food podcast if you like the show please subscribe rate and review us on your favorite podcast app to keep up to date follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at item 13 podcast Item 13 is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.